Welcome to the Growing Downward podcast, brought to you by Reformation Heritage Books. We're pleased to present Nick Thompson's sermon series on humility that was the impetus for his book, Growing Downward, a work that centers on the necessity of true humility in Christian life. Thanks for listening, and be sure to get a copy of Growing Downward at heritagebooks.org, and also make sure to visit growingdownward.com where you will find information, including interviews, study guides, and more. We're going to be looking this morning at Genesis chapter 2, continuing our sermon series on humility. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Hear now God's word to us. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray. Great God, we quiet our hearts before you this morning. We say with the psalmist, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we are glad that you have given us this day. We are glad, even as we have just read, that on the seventh day you rested and blessed and hallowed this day so that we might have a day of rest and refreshment in your presence. Lord, what a privilege that you would gather us here this morning as your covenant people to meet with us, to speak to us. And we pray, God, that as you would do that now, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us hearts to receive, that you would, by your word, grow us downward in humility and upward in the fear of you. Lord, cause us to see you in your glory as you are revealed here in your power and dominion. And cause us to see ourselves, Lord, as the weak, finite, time-bound creatures that we are. Help us in these things, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. July 4th, 1776 uh, marks a monumental day in American history. It was the day that the Continental Congress declared that uh, they would no longer be under the rule of Britain that they would no longer be under the rule of King George III. The Congress declared independence, independence from foreign power, independence from outside rule. And it's for that reason that every July 4th, we celebrate what we call Independence Day. From this day forward, July 4th, 1776, the the United States would be self-governing. They would not be under the government 
of any other. The title of my sermon this morning is playing off of our annual celebration. I've titled my message, Dependence Day. Dependence Day. This is a day when we declare that we are not self-governed. A day when we declare that we are under the authority of another. A day that we declare that we are entirely and completely dependent. What day is this? It's not the celebration of some national victory. It's not an annual holiday. It is the universal holy day, the weekly Sabbath. And it's rooted not in some late events in world history, but in creation. We've been examining over the last couple of weeks the scriptural teaching on humility, and we've seen that humility is a downward disposition, a downward disposition of soul that is produced by a Godward self-perception, by seeing ourselves in the light of God's glory. And we've seen that really there are two main aspects to humility. There is an all-controlling sense of our own creatureliness and an all-controlling sense of our corruption. We began to look last week at this sense of our creatureliness and, and the implications of that, and I want to continue doing that this morning. We saw last week that humility was writ large over our creation in the image of God. And I hope to show you this morning that humility is also writ large over the institution of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is God's great gift to us. It's a gift to us in that it is designed to promote humility in us. It's designed to promote the downward disposition that results from a Godward self perception. And there's at least four ways that it does this. Four ways that the Sabbath causes us to look to God and understand ourselves in the light of God. The first is that on the Sabbath, we look to God for structure. We see here in the creation account that God in the space of six days created all things. We're told in Genesis 2.1 that thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. The heavens and the earth is a way of referring to the entirety of created existence. Anything and everything that has been created is subsumed under these words, the heavens and the earth. And what Moses is telling us under the inspiration of the Spirit is that in six days, God created it all, and it was done. He stresses this again in verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. So we see God here as the King of creation, carrying out His creative work with precision, carrying it out according to His timetable. Could God have created everything in an instant? Well, yes, of course He could have. 
But God chose to create the heavens and the earth, all things, in the space of six days. And then having finished his creating, we're told in verse 2 that he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now we could ask the question as well, did God need to rest? Was, was his strength taxed by creating the galaxy and the, the billions of stars and the innumerable grains of sand and all the animals and plants? Was he tired out from it? Well, absolutely not. Our, our God is infinite in power. He's infinite in strength. As Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. So here's the question. If God could have created everything in an instant, why did he create all things in six days? If God did not need rest, if he doesn't grow weary or tired, why would he rest? On the seventh day. And here's the reason. Here's the reason why God is doing this. Six days of work, one day of rest. It is to provide a pattern for his image-bearing creatures. We see this made clear in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Contrary to much thinking today, the Sabbath did not begin with Mount Sinai and Moses. It began at the very beginning. It began at the inception of space and time. It, it began in the very first week of creation. God pronounces a benediction, a blessing upon the seventh day. And it is the first thing in all of creation to be declared by God as holy, as set apart unto him for his purposes. God in resting on and blessing and sanctifying the seventh day is instituting the Sabbath. And this is why when so many years later God gives the fourth commandment to Israel through Moses, he roots it in creation. He tells them that they are to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And he tells them why in verse 11 of Exodus 20. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So from the dawn of creaturely existence, from, from the very beginning of creation, God, God is not only providing structure for space, He's not only structuring the material world as we see Him doing in days one through six, but He's also providing structure for time. Not only space, but time. He's giving a certain order, a certain pattern, a certain structure. And this is the reason why we, along with every other society, follow a seven-day week. Have you 
thought about why that is? Why is it that universally all people follow a seven-day week? It's because of what we're reading here. It's because of what God has done. There have been nations that have attempted things like a 10-day work week, and it's always failed. It's failed because people recognize that it doesn't correlate with the world in which they live. It doesn't correlate with the world as God has designed it. Last Sunday, we saw that one of the implications of being image of God is that the image is defined by the original. We are defined by God. If you have an image of Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting, The Mona Lisa, it's only an image to the extent that it looks like the original. If it looks nothing like the original, then it's not an image. So if I hold up a portrait of George Washington, and I matter-of-factly say, this is the Mona Lisa, you would think to yourself, man, you are, you're either blind or out of your mind. If the image doesn't look like the original, then it's not an image. In his six days of work and one day of rest, God, as the original, is giving man a temporal structure for his existence. He is establishing just how man, as his image, is to reflect him, is to image him. As time-bound creatures, we are to image God by working six days and resting one. This is why John Murray says that the Sabbath would advise us that our life in this world is patterned after the divine example. Our life in this world, the way that we spend our days, the way that we schedule our weeks, it is patterned after the divine example. Every week we're reminded of this. Every week we're reminded that we are not the authors of time. God is. Every week we're reminded that God is the one who defines our days. Here is what we are saying on the Sabbath. If we're really keeping the Sabbath day holy, this is what we're saying. I am not the Lord of my schedule. My days are defined by God. He is the determiner of how I spend them, the determiner of my work and my rest. You see how the Sabbath is designed to promote within us the downward disposition of a Godward self-perception? We are acknowledging every Sabbath, or at least we ought to be, that our temporal, time-bound existence is structured by God, not by us. We are not Lord. He is. We have the opportunity every week to see ourselves in the light of the only one who is not bound by time and to submit ourselves to His calendar, to His schedule. 
to His example. So God on the Sabbath is wanting us to look to Him for our structure. But He's also wanting us to look to Him for our strength. And that's our second point. On the Sabbath, we look to God for strength. Kids, when you think of God resting on the seventh day, don't, don't think of Him lounging on a heavenly couch with an iced tea in hand. That's, that's not the, the picture here. The picture is one of God sitting down upon the throne of creation. The language of rest in the Scriptures, is that of enthronement. This becomes very clear when we see how God's rest is related to the Old Testament temple. I want to just draw your attention to a couple passages. There's so many where this is set forth. But, uh, for example, in 1 Chronicles 28.2, David calls the temple a house of rest. A house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. We see this language again in Psalm 132, beginning in verse 7. The psalmist says, let us go to his dwelling place. It's another way of referring to the temple. Let us go to the temple. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord. And go to your resting place. And then in verse 13, he says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So the temple was God's resting place. It was the house of his rest. It was the place where he was enthroned above the cherubim. It was the place of His special dwelling. And what we need to see is that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the heavens and the earth are being set before us as a cosmic temple. They are a cosmic temple. And God, by resting, is taking His seat upon the throne of His creation. Isaiah 66.1 Thus says the Lord, Heaven is My throne and the earth is My footstool. What is the house that You would build for Me? And what is the place of My rest? Looking at all the biblical data, Meredith Klein rightly describes God's rest in this way. He calls it a royal resting in kingdom sovereignty. A royal resting in kingdom sovereignty. God's Sabbath rest is not a sign of His weariness. It's a sign of His reign. Not His weariness, but His reign. He is Lord. And every Sabbath, He is wanting us to see that, to reckon with that, to acknowledge that. And this only becomes more clear uh, when we reckon with the eternal Sabbath rest that has been obtained by Jesus Christ. Christians from the first century onward have 
celebrated the Sabbath on the first day of the week, on Sunday, as opposed to the last day of the week, on Saturday. And the question is, why? Why is that the case? Why is that what we see in our New Testaments? And the reason is because of the monumental significance of Christ's resurrection. We sang about it this morning. Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And here's what we need to see. That just as God, as the King of creation, finished His creative work and sat down upon the throne. This is the original creation. So too Christ, having finished, having accomplished His redemptive work, rose again from the dead on the first day, and He sat down. He sat down in royal rest, exercising dominion, sitting down at His Father's right hand, reigning over the new creation until all of His enemies are made a footstool for His feet. And every Sunday, Every Sunday, what the New Testament calls the Lord's Day, we are acknowledging that and worshiping Him for that. We are saying He is Lord. This is the Lord's Day because Jesus has been enthroned. He is resting over His new creation. He is King. So every week, God is giving us this reminder that He is the Lord over the original creation and He's Lord over the new creation. God did not rest because He was weary. He rested because He is King. And He rested because He knew that His limited, finite, image-bearing creatures needed a day to be refueled and refreshed with His strength. We are not God. We are not infinite in power and strength. Our engines only have so much fuel before they begin to run out, before they are depleted. Perhaps you feel depleted this morning. Depleted physically depleted emotionally, depleted spiritually. God has given us this day, the day of days, one day in seven, to be refueled, to be strengthened by Him. In a culture that encourages us to go nonstop, on this day we are encouraged. And not only encouraged, but commanded. We are commanded to stop. To stop. It's a day to declare that I am a creature of limited resources. I am a creature who needs rest. I am not God. Only in my sovereign God do I find the strength I need to live. And to work. God has given us the Sabbath because we actually need, we need 
rest. You have enough humility to admit that. One sign that you have a sense of your creatureliness is that you are resting on the Sabbath day. That you are reckoning with the fact that as a creature, if you are going to live and to thrive as a human being, you need a day of rest. You need physical rest. You need spiritual rest. Students, I think there is a particular temptation for you, for those who are in school, a temptation to allow your studies to creep in to the Lord's Day. The temptation that I know from personal experience. And it's very easy to justify this. I'm still attending public worship. It's only a couple hours in the afternoon. How else am I going to do well on my Monday morning exam? But God on the Sabbath is calling you to rest. He's calling you to cease from your vocation as a student and to acknowledge that you are a finite, needy creature, that you need rest that your resources are limited. He's calling you to have a Godward self-perception, to see your own weakness in the light of His kingly power, to see Him reigning on the throne, and to recognize that He is the one in whom your strength is found. Are we acknowledging this every week? Is this the reality of our lives? Do we have the lowly spirit that freely acknowledges, I am not God, I am a creature that needs rest and refreshment? Or have we succumbed to the fast-paced hyper-productivity of our age that promotes seven-day work weeks before the idol of success? Is that where we're at? God calls us to look to Him, to cease from our labors and look to Him for our strength. Not only for our strength, but also for our sustenance. On the Sabbath, we look to God for our sustenance. A number of years ago, uh, Bill Gates was interviewed, a billionaire, And he was asked the reason for his rejection of God. What was his response? He responded this way. Listen to this. He said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. In other words, with regards to time, he said, This whole religion thing, it's just not a very efficient use of time. And he went on to explain, he said, there's a lot more I could be doing on Sunday morning. Now, most of us would shudder at the thought of such words coming out of our lips. 
But I wonder how many of us actually think and feel this way about the Lord's death. Imagine how much more work I could accomplish. Imagine how much more money I could make. Imagine how much more successful I could be. Imagine how many more projects I could get done if I could just work on the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath doesn't seem, in terms of time resources, like a very efficient thing. Ever had that thought? Deadlines pressing in, bills piling up, projects unfulfilled, expectations of your employers mounting. Keeping the Sabbath is an act of faith. When we rest from our ordinary labors, we are saying that our dependence is not upon our own creaturely labors. See, the reason why Gates can say something like that, and the reason why we can think that way, is because we're depending upon our own labors. We're depending upon ourselves to fulfill our own needs. And what God is saying every Sabbath is rest and trust me. Trust me to provide. Trust me to supply all your needs. Christian counselor Robert Shaw writes this. He says, when we cease from pursuing our material goals for one day each week, we're saying, God, I trust you to maintain control while I spend this day focusing on you. I trust you to provide for my needs seven days a week, even if I only work for six of them. Regardless of how much money I could earn today or how much remains on my to-do list from last week, today I'm going to rest my mind and body and bask in your presence. That's what we should be saying on the Sabbath. Prior to giving his law to Israel, God expected Israel to keep the Sabbath. It didn't didn't begin in Exodus 20. We, we see in Exodus 16 that when God rained down bread from heaven, when the manna came, God gave Israel very particular instructions. He said that every day, every morning, they were to go out and gather what they needed only for that day. Only enough for the day and nothing more. Except for on the sixth. On the sixth day, they weren't to gather just enough for that day, but they were to gather enough for two days. And the reason, God said, was so that they could rest on the seventh day, so that they could cease from their labors, so that they wouldn't have to go out and gather bread. And as you know, the story goes, is that some of the Israelites got this brilliant idea. They thought, okay, we've gathered enough on Friday for Saturday, but hey, let's go out on Saturday and collect some more. And so they went out on the Sabbath day, and what did they find? They found that there was no manna to be found. And rather, they were met with the rebuke of God. Exodus 16:29. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments 
and my laws. That's what God said. He said, see, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. How easily we become like these unbelieving Israelites. What was their problem here? What was wrong with what they were doing? Well, obviously it was wrong that they were disobeying the command of God. But undergirding that, there there was a desire for comfort. The comfort of knowing that there was a little extra food in the pantry. So that on Sunday, they wouldn't be entirely and completely dependent upon the Lord to provide them with their food. And God says, no, 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 you don't get it. You're not seeing it. You are a creature, a dependent creature. I will take care of it. Your job is to rest and to trust me. Will we trust him? Will we trust him with our financial needs? Will we trust him to put food on the table seven days a week when we only work six? Will we trust him with the deadlines and the unhealthy expectations of our employers? Will we humble ourselves and say, my trust is in the Lord, not in the labor of my hands? Or will we, like the Israelites, seek to gather manna on his day in order to avoid this sense of dependence. God is calling us to look to him on the Sabbath day. That is what this day is for, to look to him for structure, to look to him for strength, to look to him for sustenance, and to look to him for, for satisfaction. And that is really what the Lord's Day is all about. That we would be looking to God for satisfaction. What does Moses mean when he says in verse 3 that God blessed the seventh day? What does it, what does it mean for God to bless something? When God blesses something, He showers it with blessing. The Sabbath is full of God's riches. Tessa and I have sought to instill this in our boys. We've, we've done it imperfectly, inconsistently, and not as creatively as we ought to, but, but we've sought to instill in them a sense of the blessedness of this day. And most Sundays when my boys will wake up, I will greet them by saying, Boys, do you know what day it is today? you know what day it is? It is our favorite day. It's the Lord's Day. As parents, we need to be seeking to impress this upon our children. This is a blessed day. This is the day of days, our chief of days. This is the Lord's day and he has blessed it and hallowed it and why is it blessed it is blessed because it is set apart onto his worship 
and glory. It is God's day, a day devoted to His service. I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that Adam and Eve's first full day, their first full day in this world, was the Sabbath. Think about that. Their first full day as creatures was the Sabbath. And according to Thomas Boston, the reason for this was that Adam might know that the great end of his creation was to serve the Lord. Man's first full day on earth was the Sabbath day, the holy day, the blessed day, the day devoted to God's service so that he would know that his purpose, his chief end in life was not himself, but God and his worship. God wanted our first parents to know that their ultimate joy and satisfaction was to be found in him. And this was before there was sin. Before there was even sin. If pre-fall men, if pre-fall men needed a day to rest from his ordinary labors in order to be absorbed in the worship of God, how much more so do we need such a day? Our prideful hearts are always seeking satisfaction in created things rather than the Creator. But on this day, we declare with the psalmist, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is what we ought to be saying on the Sabbath. And that is the essence of humility. The downward disposition of a Godward self-perception delights in the beauty of God and desires nothing above Him. We saw that last week. It says, My soul will not be satisfied with earthly riches or human Accolades. There is only one place to go to fill my hungry soul. It is to God. To God. When we keep the Sabbath day holy, this is what we are doing. We are depending upon God to satisfy our souls in a way that nothing else can. And that is why we cease our labors. That is why we gather. That is why we worship. The Sabbath is our dependence day, friends. It is our dependence day. When we keep it holy, we are actually preaching a sermon. We are proclaiming something to the world around us. By resting on the Lord's day, we are declaring That God is the one who structures my schedule. God is the one who supplies my strength. God is the one who provides my sustenance. God is the one who satisfies my soul. That is what we are saying. 
to summarize it more briefly, we, we are saying, I am a creature radically and entirely dependent upon my Creator. Without the downward disposition of a Godward self-perception, without humility, it is impossible to keep the Sabbath day holy. You see that? You see that this morning? God in His wisdom, this is so wonderful, God, God has not just designed our persons as image bearers to promote humility. He hasn't just designed us in such a way that it leads us to a lowly disposition. But He's designed time itself So that every time we look at a calendar, so that every time we plan our week, so that every time we come to a new day, we are being reminded of the fact that we are under His Lordship. We're under His reign. He has designed time to promote humility, friends. Now, the Scriptures and our confession recognize that there are works of necessity. Works of necessity that require some people to work on the Sabbath day. Certain certain jobs, for example, like uh, police officers or doctors. These, these are people that have jobs that would require them to work on the Sabbath. And the, and the Scriptures themselves, Christ Himself warrants these things. But how much work happens on God's appointed day that is not necessary? If you feel inclined to work seven days a week and to not devote the Sabbath day to God's worship, examine yourself. What is the God that you serve? Are you bowing before the idol of success? Bowing before the idol of the fear of man? Bowing before the idol of money? What is the God that you serve? It is prizing. Listen, it is prizing created things over the Creator Himself that leads us to desecrate His day. It is prizing created things. Money, or the applause and approval of other creatures, or success. It is these things that lead us to desecrate the Lord's day. It is pride. Pride. And if you look within yourself this morning and find that there, the call this morning from God's Word is to repent. To repent. To acknowledge that you are not the Lord of your calendar. That your days are not your own. That it is not up to you to structure how you spend your week. You are under the lordship of your Creator. Acknowledge that you are a creature radically dependent 
upon your Creator. Dependent upon Him for strength. Dependent upon Him for sustenance. Acknowledge this morning that as a creature, there is nothing in this world, not, not wealth or applause and approval of your fellow men. None of these things can satisfy your soul. Only He can. Turn your eyes to the Son of God. The One who is presently seated in royal rest. Sabbath rest at His Father's right hand. Look to Him this morning. The Lord of the Sabbath. That is who our Savior is. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And enter this morning into His rest by faith. That is what He calls you to. That is what He beckons all of us to this morning. He says, come. Come unto Me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Won't you come this morning? Won't you come to Him for rest? Let's pray. Oh, great God, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of the new creation. We worship You this morning as our God, the One who is enthroned, the One who has taken His seat at that place that is above all power and rule and dominion and authority, the One whom has been given the name that is above every name, Lord Jesus, give us eyes to see You. Give us eyes to see You in Your reign, in Your sovereign kingship. Give us hearts that would submit unto You joyfully with gladness. Lord, help us to see what an awesome thing it is to bow before You and to find our joy and delight in You. And Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have desecrated and despised Your day and as a result, Your Lordship. Help us to see the heinous thing it is to break the fourth commandment. This is not a small thing. This is something You struck people dead over in the Old Testament, Lord. It is not something to be taken lightly. You are not a God to be trifled with. Lord, we pray that You would work in us the humility to see that and the humility to image and reflect You in Your work over the span of six days and rest on one. God, work in us, we pray, and bless us on this day and cause us to find in You our structure and strength and sustenance and especially, Lord, our satisfaction. Satisfy our souls in Yourself. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.